The power of presence changes everything. Amen? The power of presence changes everything. Again, if you're just joining us here today, whether you're here in the room or worshiping with us online this morning, I want to welcome you in. My name is Pastor John, one of the pastors here, and it is so good to have you here with us this morning. I don't know about you, but when I see stories like that of reunions and, and homecomings for our, our veterans and things like that, something in me, my heart just starts pounding. Because I think there's something inside of all of us that longs for that. Not just any person, but the right person. When the right person that you love and know walks into the room, it changes everything. And God knows we can use a lot more of that these days. A lot more joy, a lot more love, a lot more peace in our world today. God bringing people back together. And the reason that we long for those times, even if we don't know who they are, right? Some of you probably started crying, right? Some of you are saying, I want that because you were created for it. I was created for it. We were not created to be isolated. We were not created to be separated. And yet here we find ourselves in the predicament that we're in. But the truth remains, the power of presence changes everything. It doesn't matter for that little girl or for any of these family members when that reunion happens, when that person walks into the room. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are in their lives. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how they were feeling at the moment. It's all different now. They can have peace because that person's presence is in the room. And as much as we are inspired by these stories, there's also a sobering reality of the world that we live in. We're spaced out. We're distanced. There's way more of you that are worshiping with us online right now than are in an 800-seat auditorium. That's not the way that it is meant to be. And even for those of you that are here, like, what are we doing? We're sitting in church with masks on, right? Eight feet apart from each other, socially distanced. This is not the way that it was meant to be. Those of you that are extroverts, that are touchy-feely, huggy people, you are just crumbling and dying inside because all you want to do is reach out over the aisle and hug somebody. Amen? At least give a high five or touch somebody, but that's not the world that we live in right now. So what do we do in the meantime? This is going to be a tough week for a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of empty Thanksgiving tables this week. They're not meant to be that way. We're not meant to do thanks Zoom giving on the internet. We are meant to be together in each other's living rooms. There's not meant to be empty Thanksgiving tables, but that's the reality. So what do we do? Do we quit? Do we give up? How do we find hope in the middle of isolation? How do we find hope in the middle of a world that is so separated? Well, the truth remains. The power of presence changes everything, especially when it comes to our Savior. Amen? And nobody knows that better than the first disciples. If you've got your Bibles or your Bible app, turn to our scripture reading that you just heard Ben read for us from John chapter 20. If you're online with us, pull it up on your phone or you can multitask there on your computer. If you've got your Bible or Bible app, John chapter 20 verse 19. That's where we're going to camp out today. I want to invite you to follow along. When we arrive on the scene, it's a pretty dismal situation. It's a pretty hopeless situation. The disciples are full of isolation and fear and doubt. They're hiding for their lives. Why? Because Jesus has just been crucified. This, this movement of the way, as it was called, has just been crushed. I mean, they cut it off at its head. They, they, they killed the leader. Jesus is dead, right? Jesus has been crucified. The whole town saw it. He was nailed to a cross and buried in a tomb. And now, three days later, if you're the disciples, you're fearing, I'm next. They're going to come after me. The, the Romans are coming after me. I'm going to be next. They're looking for me. And so what are they doing? They're hiding. So 
Look at this. We pick up the story in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, it goes on, but let's stop there for a second. (laughs) Don't miss this. On the first Easter, Christians were not filling up churches in celebration. Rather, they were spread out, hiding in isolation and fear and doubt in their homes, wondering what is going to happen next. Does that sound anywhere close to familiar for any of us, right? Instead, as far as they're concerned, there's no hope. The story's over. Jesus is dead. The movement is over. There's no hope. The story is over. At least that's what they thought. And I think if we're honest, that's a pretty painfully accurate picture of where we're at in our world today. Now, you might be saying, John, that's a nice analogy and everything, but that was then and this is now, right? These are Bible heroes, these early disciples, you know, great Bible heroes, and and I'm not running from any Roman soldiers or anything. No, maybe not. But I think if we're honest, can we be honest? Can we be honest? We're all hiding. We're all hiding in some kind of way today. And, And if I can be honest, certainly in the last year, if not in the last couple months, if not in the last couple weeks, or days, I've been in isolation. I felt disconnected from friends and family. I've been struggling with fear. Gets its hooks in you of what's going to happen next. Yes, me, one of your pastors, has been struggling with doubt. God, where are you in the midst of all of this? So when I look and I read a story like this of the, the disciples, these, these guys that spent three years face-to-face with Jesus, and they're struggling with isolation and fear and doubt. Unequivocally, I can say, that's me. Say, that's me. If that's you, that's me. That's me. We're all in this together. If any of these following statements is true, just say, whether you're online, you can type it into the chat, you can say it, say it out loud in your living room. If you're here, upstairs, downstairs, if any of these applies to you, just let's be honest this morning. You're in church, by the way, so don't lie. Just say... That's me. In the last few months, you've had a hard time trusting that God is in control and you struggled with your faith. That's me. That's me. In the last year, you've looked at our world and our nation and you've looked around at all the divisiveness and the hatred and you're just tired of it and you're wearied of it. That's me. That's me. In the past few months, maybe you've felt disconnected. You've had a hard time. You've you drifted away from your small group or people at church, and you just feel like you're kind of wandering and disconnected from the church and in your faith. If that's you, say, that's me. We've all been there. If you've ever struggled with doubt and fear and isolation, maybe the Bible isn't so irrelevant after all. Maybe this is us. Maybe this is our story. And all of a sudden, maybe we're not so different after all. If you're watching this and wondering, what's going on at this Hope Elam Church? It sounds like two churches came together. Well, we did. We started a church last week, baby. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. And so you're, uh, you're looking around the room today and you're saying, wow, this is really different. This music, this worship looks and sounds a little bit different. The people look a little bit different and sound a little bit different than I'm used to. And I don't know about this. I don't know about these two churches coming together because there's people that don't look like me and talk like me and act like me. Maybe we're so different. And maybe what God is saying in the midst of all of this pain and all of this hurt and all of this doubt and all of this fear is that maybe we're not so different after all. 
Maybe if you and I could get over ourselves and look past the color of our skin, we would see that there's more that unites us than separates us, right? If we can look at our pain, <laughs> that God can take even the most difficult and tragic of situations and use it to unite us. That's how powerful God is. He can even use our pain to unite us as the church. Look past the color of your skin and look to somebody's heart. We're all in this together. Maybe God is going to use this time, among many things, to increase our empathy and our compassion for each other. Because the truth is we all hide. In fear, in doubt, and in isolation, sometimes get this. It's an illusion. It's a mask that we wear. A lot of us hide behind control. Anybody else like to be in control? Yeah, you a control freak? Raise your hand. You, again, you're in church, don't lie. Great. There's seven of you this time. Last service, only two control freaks in the entire room, but right here, eight, okay? We love to control things. And when the world feels out of control, you know where we hide? Not in the upper room with the disciples. We hide in the fact that we want to look like we have it all together. We hide behind the mask and the facade of, I've got my planner and I've got my calendar and I've, I can control all the people in my world. And what if God is saying to you this morning, I've never asked you to be in control. I'm asking you to surrender to the fact that you need me every single day. Because here's the truth, control freaks, and for the rest of you, you can listen in. You can have control or you can have faith, but you cannot have both. This side of the room got it. I don't know if you guys did. You can have control or you can have faith but you cannot have both. Some of you are like, oh, I walk by faith and not by sight, but can I have everything the way that I want it? I'm walking by faith but, but, and not by sight, but, but can I have everything orderly? Because I, I just want things the way that I want it. I want you to act the way I want you to act. I want this to happen in my calendar and my planner and my schedule the way that I want it. God says you can't have it both ways. You can have control or you can have faith, but you can't have both. And I don't know where you're hiding today, but that's not the end of the story. How do I know? Because that's not the end of this story. Look in your Bibles, verse 19. This is the best part. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. 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 If you read your Bible and you see suddenly, something good's about to happen, all right? Suddenly, verse 19, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy that they had seen the Lord. First of all, just a little Bible humor for you that I recognize about this scene. Apparently, when you're God, you don't need to use the door. You just <laughs> up here, right? It's not like Jesus knocked three times and went, dit, 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 and then they let him in, you know, or something like that. Poof, he just appears, okay? Secondly, I want you to, want you to know about this scene. The power of presence changes everything. The power of Jesus' presence was about to change everything for their situation. Can you imagine being there thinking that all is lost and the story is over and there's no more hope? I, I don't know if we can relate to that at all this morning. Imagine being there and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Let's take a look. They were hiding they were lost, they were afraid, they were living in fear and doubt. And get this, then came Jesus. Then came Jesus. How many situations have you been in your life and you know for a fact that you can point to that on the timeline and the story of your life, that if Jesus didn't show up, you would not be here today, amen? That when you were lost and you were hurting and you were broken and you were afraid, and then came Jesus. 
I was living in doubt and I didn't know if I had the faith to keep going. I was going to give up. I was going to quit on my faith. What happened? Then came Jesus. Whatever it is for you, Jesus has a habit of showing up right on time. And he does so in the most compassionate of ways. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Notice in this scene what Jesus does and what he doesn't do. He shows up and brings his peace, but what he doesn't do, he doesn't shame them. There's so many ways that Jesus could show up in this situation and show up in our lives and say, come on, guys, really? Come on, stop crying, snap out of it, suck it up, be better. He doesn't do any of that, and he doesn't tell you any of that this morning. Come on, guys, 2020 is not so bad, it's just a pandemic. Come on, cheer up, put a smile on your face. I don't see that anywhere in my Bible, do you? It's not there, because you know what Jesus does? He shows up and says, I see you. I see you. And I feel your hurt. And I feel your pain. And right in the midst of it, peace. A peace I'm bringing you that the world can't touch. Everybody else is looking around at you going, the world's falling apart. It's chaos. It's tragic. There's death and despair and fear everywhere. How can you have peace? Because it's the kind of peace that's been to hell and back for you. It's the kind of peace that has wounds in his side and holes in his hands. Jesus offers us a peace that the world can't touch. Even for Thomas, the biggest skeptic of it all, Jesus doesn't say, come on, Thomas. Snap out of it, bud. Tom. You know what he does? Check it out for yourself, man. Don't take somebody else's word for it. Don't just read about it. Don't just hear a sermon and say, oh yeah, sign me up. Experience Jesus for yourself. Have a relationship with me. Thomas, I'm right here. It's me. Touch me. Feel my face. Look at, watch me looking at you. It's me, Thomas. And that is how fear turns into faith. Only when you experience the presence of Jesus. The power of presence changes everything. Amen? It changes everything. Something I've noticed is that the longer this pandemic goes on, and I'm scrolling through my social media feeds, which I probably do a little bit too often, and I follow, you know, famous athletes or movie stars or celebrities. You follow them on social media. It kind of seems to be the popular thing. Everybody feels like they need to say something. Everybody wants a, a platform these days. So they're all saying these things that seem to be a little cheer, cheer up statements. Come on, everybody. I'm, I'm a celebrity, so listen to me. We're going to make it. Everything's going to be okay. We'll get over this soon. Everything will be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And the, the Thomas in me, the skeptic in me says, how do you know? Have you been to the end of the story? Do you know how this is going to end? How do you know it's going to be okay? No, your God, your Lord and your God and our Savior looks at you today in the eyes the way that Jesus looks at Thomas and says, no, I say to you, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it. How do I know? Look at the holes in my hands and the wounds in my side. That's how I know because the worst thing has been taken care of. Death has been defeated. And if that's been defeated, nothing you're up against will overtake you. I've got you and it's going to be okay. That's what God says today. I know the end of the story. And so he tells Thomas at the end in verse 29. Let's read this together. You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Some of you are like, what does that mean? 
Jesus is saying, I love it, Thomas. I love it that now that you've seen me and you've touched my hands and, and put your hands on my side, I, I love it that you believe. But blessed are those who are in the middle of the tunnel. Blessed are those who are still in the dark. Blessed are those who haven't seen the ending yet. Blessed are those who can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and they're really hurting today. Blessed are you when you still trust me. God is a good father and just like any other good father, what is he after more than anything else today? Your trust. It's going to be okay. Some of you need to hear that, not from a celebrity or a famous athlete. You need to hear that from the God that has defeated death and hell and your sin. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it. And you can take that to the bank and cash it. Because that's a promise that he has kept and will keep. Amen? It's going to be okay. Two things that Jesus offers us when we're broken and lost and hurting and isolated. Peace and purpose. Everybody say peace. peace. Everybody say purpose. purpose. Oh, let me hear you. Online, in the room. Everybody say peace. Say purpose. How do we get that? One way. You can't get that through optimism. You can't get that through the power of positive thinking. You can't get that through, I'm just going to try a little bit harder to be a better Christian. There's only one way that you get a peace and you get a purpose today, and it's this. Presence. The power of Jesus' presence changes everything. When he walks into the room, everything changes. It's his presence. But Jesus doesn't leave us there. He doesn't just come and rub our back and give us some comfort and say everything's going to be okay. He knows us, and so he goes on. The very next verse, verse 21. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. If I'm a disciple, I'm like, well, what, what about the pep talk, Jesus? I mean, can't we sit here and, and cry and sulk in it a little bit more? I mean, you were dead and now you're alive. Jesus says, ah, because you've got a mission. You've got a purpose. I'm bringing you a peace and a purpose. Jesus knows that when we're hurting and we're lost and we're afraid and we want to quit, yes, we need comfort, but we also need a mission. We need to step back and stop navel-gazing and look to something bigger than us. You have a purpose in this life that's bigger than you. I saw this in kind of a funny, quirky way a couple weeks ago. It was uh, one of those nice November days in kind of the mid-50s, and so our kids love riding their bikes. And they're five and they're seven, so they just started learning how to do this together. So Caleb's known for a while. Evie's still got her training wheels on. But as siblings that are two years apart, everything is a competition, right? So those of you that have siblings, everything's a competition, okay? It started out as, oh, we're just learning to ride our bikes, and this is fun and everything, and now we just, everything's a race. I'm going to pop a wheelie, and I can go up and down, and I can hop over the cracks, and I can do this better than you or jump farther than you, and it's a race. And so one day we're having a race. They're lined up on our front sidewalk, and they're going to race, I don't know, about 50 feet from our driveway to the neighbor's driveway on the sidewalk. And so I'm out there, and I say, on your marks, get set, go. And they just take off, and they're pedaling so hard, not 10 feet into it, their, their, their <laughs> front tires get tangled, and <laughs> Boom, and Caleb keeps going, and Evie, boom, crashes right on the concrete. Oh, right onto the side of the sidewalk. And being the kind and loving and compassionate older brother, Caleb stops about 10 feet, turns around and goes, what happened? What happened, right? What happened? Evie's just writhing in pain. She's got blood running down her leg. And so as a good and loving and comforting father, I run up, and the thing that I want to bring to her immediately is peace, right? So I'm rubbing her back and saying, honey, it's going to be okay. And there's snot, you know, parents, you know, the snot and tear combination is just like 
sneers. It's like the whole thing. It's not in tears together, just wiping it away and rubbing her back and rubbing your hair and everything's going to be okay. She's not snapping out of it. I'm like, I'm bringing, I'm bringing the comfort. I mean, I'm the dad here, right? I bring the peace. I bring the comfort. But she wasn't snapping out of it. And then I realized Caleb's staring at her from 10 feet ahead. And he is so close to winning this race. And I get down and I say, she's a little competitive. I say, Evie, if you don't get your butt on your bike right now and start taking after that, Caleb's going to kick your butt at this race. <laughs> and some sort of hear me war, roar, spirit animal woman roar, rose up in this five-year-old little girl. And she goes, And she stands up and she gets back on her training wheels bike and she takes off after her brother and says, I'm going to (laughs) win! Because in that moment, you better believe that she needed her dad's comfort and peace and a purpose. I'm not going to let my brother win. (laughs) And I don't know what's going on in your life today. I don't know what your circumstances are if you're hiding today. It's time to get back on the bike. It's time to get up off the side of the road. Let Jesus comfort you and heal you and bandage your wounds and give you something bigger than yourself to live for. You have been called, we have been called as the church to a mission. We have a mission and a purpose. It's time to get back on the bike. It's time to get going. Jesus says to you today, let me remind you of who you are. You're not victims You have a mission. You're my followers. You're my disciples. You don't have to live consumed by fear and doubt. There is a world and a city and neighborhood and people in your own, under your own roof that need to know the love of Jesus Christ. What if as Christians during a pandemic, we were known for our peace and our purpose? How do you get that? One way. You spend a lot of time in the presence of Jesus. That's the only way you get it. You can't get it on your own strength. That I've heard a lot this day is, John, that sounds great and that's good and everything. But for a lot of you, hundreds of you that are watching online right now, you're saying, I'm not there. This is fun and everything, John, but how can I go on mission and be the church when I'm sitting in my living room? When I'm in my pajamas, as maybe some of you are. Congratulations. It's come as you are. John, I can't do that, even for those of you in the room today. John, I've got a mask on, and I'm sitting distant. I haven't touched anybody. I can't even be close to anybody. Bigger than that, I can't, I can't go where I want to go the last nine months. I can't do anything that I want to do. Nothing is normal anymore. How can you say, cheer up and pep up, get back on your bike and be the church? Well, maybe one of the many things God is doing during this pandemic is redefining what the church is. Because some of us have gotten all confused, and instead of putting our faith in Jesus, we put our faith in a building. Or the ability to be in a building, especially for those of you that are worshiping online right now. Or maybe some of you, this is your first time back, and you're like, I feel so disconnected. If you're feeling far away from Jesus today, I got a good word for you. He never left. He never left. He's been with you the last nine months. He's been there the whole time. And so maybe it would be helpful for us to take a step back and figure out, well, what is the church? And this might help redefine it for you. Sometimes what I do is I take my Bible and I say, if this is all that I had, if all that I had was the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if all that I had was the first couple chapters of Acts, and I was just some novice third-party person coming in with an objective look, and I say, what is the church? 
I'm going to put away all my assumptions. I'm going to put away all my preconceived ideas. I'm going to put away all my bad experiences or my church hurt from the past. Or I went to this church and I didn't like it and I got offended here and somebody stabbed me in the back here and I had a bad experience here. This is what I grew up with. This is what my parents' church was like. I fell away from the church. Put away all that just for a moment and let's just look at the text, the Gospels and the book of Acts. What do we find? Three things, I think, that define the church. Number one, followers of Jesus. That's what they were doing, right? When they were in the upper room a couple days later, Jesus comes to them and he says, wait. He says, wait right here in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. They're just followers of Jesus. That's who they are. They're not super spiritual. They're not amazing religious guys. They weren't even called Christians yet. And yet Jesus comes to them and says this. Let's read it together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Two things we know about the church. Number one, it's followers of Jesus. And number two, sent on a mission. The first thing that God does, the first thing that Jesus does with this this followers of the way, as they were called, is he sends them on a mission. We are defined, not necessarily by our gathering, but by our sending. God is a sending God. God is a missionary God. So what what is the church? Followers of Jesus sent on a mission. And last but not least, what does Jesus tell us? You will receive what? You will receive power. Paul talks about this later in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 11. Just receive this this morning. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Some of you are like, "Ah, I just uh, rolled out of bed and just came for the 11 o'clock service this morning. I'm just a regular, ordinary Christian. If the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you this morning, there is no such thing as a regular Christian. Amen? The same power lives in you right now, here today. Not when you're feeling up to it. Not when you feel worthy. Not when the pandemic's over. Not when you feel good enough. Not when you get back to a church building. The power, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you in your living room right now, in front of your computer. What is the church? Followers of Jesus sent on a mission with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I look at the chaos and the tragedy and the suffering in the world around us right now, and I think, that's exactly why we were created. What does the world need more than anything else right now? Not well wishes. Not optimism, not the power of positive thinking. The church. It is not a time to shrink back. It is a time to step forward with creativity and innovation to say, what is God, how is God calling us to reinvent ourselves to get back to who we were created to be? Because you know what I don't see anywhere in the Gospels or in the book of Acts that, that absolutely defines the church? Here's what I don't see nothing about a building primarily. Nothing about a denomination. I mean, there were some Lutherans in Ephesus. But other than that, (laughs) I don't see anything about a worship style. I don't think anything about the size of a church. I don't even see anything about a church breakfast with bacon and eggs. But I will tell you this. I cannot wait till we get some bacon and eggs and some breakfast cooking up in here. Because people are going to come for the bacon and they're going to stay for Jesus. Amen? And I love all of those things. And I want all of those things to be a part of who we are as a church. They're all good, but it doesn't define the church. The church, followers of Jesus, sent on a mission filled with power. What's the good news there? Is that the presence 
of God. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, has never been and will never be confined to the four walls of a church building. It is with you right now wherever you are. It is with you right now wherever you are in your circumstances. And over the last nine months, you have showed us that. Not just as hope, not just as Elam, but now as hope Elam together. The last thing that you need to do this morning is, is, is buck up and try harder and be a better Christian. You need to be reminded of who you are. You're sons and daughters of God. You're the church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. You need to be reminded of who you are. And we want to encourage you this morning. I'm not the only pastor at this church. And there's another preacher at this church that I'm going to invite up. Welcome up my good friend, Pastor Michael Hurst, right now up to the stage. Wow, that's me. That's you're, me. You're, that's, getting, uh, you're that's, getting two preachers for the price of one this morning. But yeah, we just, you sort of surprised me. I did. Yeah. You didn't think I was ready for you, huh? No, I didn't. We wanted to spend a little bit of time this morning wow. just encouraging you. Yes. And here's why. Everything that I've been talking about this morning, you're doing it. You're, you're an incredible church because you didn't quit. In fact, when the going got tough, <laughs> you stepped forward in faith. Just over the last several months, if you haven't been here and we have a lot of new people that are worshiping with us online, you may not know over the last several months, I'm just going to share with you a few things. This church opened up mask-making shops in their living rooms and Lutheran Church of Hope, Hope Elam together, we all came together to donate over 10,000 masks for local hospitals and doctors and health organizations. How cool is that? You've donated hundreds of pounds of food to local food pantries. Many of you came together after the derecho and, and, and helped clean up all over the city. Our, you may not know this, but our awesome children and student staff, while we haven't been able to gather together, continues to put out amazing online content. If you think there's no children's student stuff going on right now, talk to the teenagers in this church. Talk to the kids in K through 6. They are loving it. If you are, haven't seen that, you are missing out. We have an incredible team that's doing that every single week. And get this. When everybody says, oh, the church is on pause, the church is on decline. We, we started a church last weekend, and it was pretty awesome. And you may not know this. You kind of look around the room, and ah, there's some space in between the pews here. Over 1,200 people worshiped with Hope Elam last week online. Praise God for that. Next week, we're going to announce our, our massive mission effort, all of our campuses for Advent, to bless frontline workers here in the city of Des Moines. We're not done yet. And all of this has been possible because we've experienced, you've experienced God's peace and his purpose. And when you got knocked off, you got back on and you said God has a bigger mission for us. And that's what Jesus did with Thomas as well. Wow, we, we got to understand. We have a mission, but how do we miss the mark? Why do we miss the mark on our mission when we all say we love the Messiah? How do we, how do we miss the mark? But let's look at Thomas. Uh, Thomas is an interesting character. In John eleven sixteen, 16, uh, Thomas says, Jesus, I'll die for you. Wherever you go, I'll go with you. I'll die for you. But then three chapters later in chapter 14, Pastor, Jesus said, well, I got to go prepare a place right. for you. I, I, I got a purpose. Yep. Uh, you know, I got yep. a plan for you. And yep. Thomas was like, well, where are you going? You can't go with, if you leave, how are we going to know the yep. way? Same Thomas. 
Same Thomas. Same and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yep. So now you get to chapter 20, and you don't want to merge. <laughs> oh, y'all missed that. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to merge. He's you, doubting. Yeah, He's you, doubting. Don't, you don't want to go to the new church. Right? Even though you've been hearing about it for five yes. years, yes. called Pillars of Promise, yes. even though I've been yes. worshiping with hope for over 20-something years at yes. every campus, yes. now all of a sudden you don't want to do it. Is that in my Bible? I didn't see that in there. I'll look for that. Unless I see yeah. the nail prints in his mm -hmm. hand and the spear print in his side, yeah. I'm not going to believe it. His presence. His presence. Yeah. I've witnessed it all my life, but all of a sudden I get to this place and now I don't believe it. Yeah. But then when Jesus showed up, and in this Thanksgiving time, I got four words for you. When, when it gets rough on you, when yeah. you miss in your family, I miss it. Man, I miss my baby so much. What am I going to do about that? Yeah. I got four words for you that really brought Thomas back to the mission, back to the purpose, back to the plan. Thomas said, my Lord, mm. my God. So as we go through this Thanksgiving season and Christmas season and yes. the new year and building a church yes. and, you know, John, I, you know, we have trepidation. Are the people going to come? Yes. Is the church going to be successful? My Lord, my God, is the people from Hope going to uh, get along with the people from Elam? <laughs> my Lord. My God, is black, white, and brown going to come in here and understand the mission, mandate, and yep. ministry of yep. God? My Lord, my God. For all you type A personalities out there that want to put it in a box <laughs> and put it on a spreadsheet and want everything to balance out at the bottom, or y'all ain't with me. My Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. It's never been about us. Our theme this year, all of our Hope campuses, get this, all eyes on Jesus. Everything changed for Thomas when he got his eyes off of everybody else and himself and his own shortcomings and his own doubt and fears, and he put his eyes, my Lord, my God. When you experience him for yourself, and I, I'm so excited for the next couple weeks. Pastor Michael's going to preach next week, and so there's more where that came from. So you're going to want to come back for that. But lest you think that your purpose is gone today. Some of you are thinking, John, all those things you mentioned are great, and I, I want to go, and I want to live this out. But I don't feel like I have a purpose right now because I am isolated, and I am alone. And, and, and I feel like to make a big impact for God, it's got to be headline news. It's got to get mentioned from the stage. I want you to hear this loud and clear this morning. You are living for the purposes of God and you are on mission for God as a single mom this morning that's listening in and you are pouring your heart and soul into your kids. That you're trying to be a world-class teacher and mentor and counselor and parent all at the same time. God delights in you this morning. You need to hear that. You are living for the purpose and mission of God when you go home and you emotionally invest in your spouse because you're both tired and stressed out during this time. 
You are living for the mission of God. I love how Mother Teresa says this. If you're feeling inadequate this morning, Mother Teresa says this. Do you want to change the world? Go home and love your family. Do you want to change the world? Go home and love your family. It doesn't always have to be this big, amazing thing. It doesn't have to be headline news to make a difference in the kingdom of God. It doesn't even have to be noticed by other people to make an impact in the kingdom of God. Be who God has called you to be. Be faithful with God has put under your own roof even during a pandemic and leave the results and the fruit up to him. Amen? Experience is peace and a purpose. And you find this morning that God is calling out to you. He's calling your name and he's asking, are you ready? I was thinking about this a couple years ago, we were, uh, our family was traveling. Back when uh, traveling was a thing, remember that? <laughs> and we were in an airport and, and we were coming back to Des Moines. It was February, it was really cold. It was negative, insane amount of numbers. And we were coming from a warmer place back to Des Moines in February. Nobody wants to go to Des Moines in February. And yet we do, we live here. And we were coming from a warmer place, and let alone 7 a.m. in an airport terminal is not exactly the happiest place in the world to be. And yet there we are, we've got all of our bags, and everybody's kind of sauntering around and half asleep and laying over the airport chairs, They're the most uncomfortable thing in the world. And everybody's grumbling and complaining of why they have to be there this early to get a 7 a.m. flight, except one little boy. Except one little boy that was just beside himself with excitement to be sent on his purpose to his destination. He was so excited and he had his Mickey Mouse backpack on and he was bouncing around. He was just so excited. And then they started calling the zones over the loudspeaker. Now boarding, now boarding zone number one. And then you see some people kind of saunter up and they've got their ticket. Okay, zone number one. They're dragging their suitcase behind them. They're half asleep, complaining and moaning. I had to get my ticket changed, all this. Now boarding zone number two. And so some more people saunter up and they're grumbling and complaining about everything that's going on. And then all of a sudden, now boarding zone number three. And out of nowhere in this crowded airport terminal in front of everybody that's getting on this plane, this little boy, probably five or six years old with his Mickey Mouse backpack hopping up and down, jumps out in front of everybody and says, that's me! Zone number three! That's me, baby! Zone number three! I can't wait to be sent. I can't wait to get what I need to be sent on my purpose, on my destination. That's me. And everybody kind of gave him the cute little courtesy clap and giggle. <laughs> That's cute. And I looked at it. I said, holy cow. That's me. What if that was our purpose? What if that was our posture when it came to being sent to our destination back to the city of Des Moines? You think only missionaries go overseas. You are a missionary in the city of Des Moines. That's what it means to be the church every single day. That's me. And so I know at the beginning of the sermon, maybe you said, John, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm living in fear and doubt. And I said, that's me. And all those statements at the beginning of the sermon. But you can say, that's me right now. Whether you're online, you can type it right into the chat as we go through this. And if you're in the room, I want to hear you. If despite all of that, if in the middle of that tunnel, if despite all of your fear and isolation and doubt, you can say, I have the peace of Jesus Christ pumping through my veins this morning, say, that's me. 
That's me. Oh, I didn't hear you. Just like the little boy say, that's me. And some of you are feeling disconnected and you're feeling like, ah, I feel so disconnected from the church and I don't know anybody anymore in this church merger. And God says, who is with me? Who wants to come home and be a part of the church? You can respond just like the little boy. That's me. And if you're tired and you're hurting and you're lost and you're broken, and yet Jesus looks at you this morning and says, I have a peace and I have a purpose that the world can't touch. You can stand up just like the little boy in the airport and respond, that's me. And when you're called to get out of your comfort zone and make an invite to somebody to join you for worship or join you for your online small group or send the online link for Facebook Live to them and invite them to worship to do something that you've never done before and get out of your comfort zone, you can respond, that's me. That's me. That's you. That's us. And that's what it means to be the church. Amen? Amen. Followers of Jesus sent on a mission with power. God is worthy of our worship this morning. So wherever you're at, online, upstairs, downstairs, let's stand together and let's worship a God that is worthy of our praise. Let's stand and sing.